welcome one and welcome all. This is Very Full Upstream number 97. We are in May. We made it to May, guys. This year yeah. has literally gone by so quickly. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Here with full cast and crew, we got Darius Stokes. How you doing, man? What's up, man? Good to see you guys. Always, always. We're just chilling here. This this should be a VBM video, but it's not. I guess we'll get to that. But we're also here with Brandon Orr, chilling, keeping it cool in Canada. Toronto's Toronto's uh, one and only. You know, views. How are views from the sixth? Yeah, we'll we'll get to that too. Uh, as well, we got Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How you doing, Alex? What's going on? What's going on? And last but certainly not least, we have Blaze, Editor-in-Chief of Rhett Crackberry, on with us as well. May the 1st, we're covering the 24th through May 1st. Actually, some interesting news has happened this past week. It's kind of been a, <laughs> yeah. one yeah, of those... It's actually uh, been eventful. <laughs> yeah, it's been an up week for Blackberry. I, I wish the stock kind of uh, reflected the same enthusiasm we have. But uh, we're going to get started. Mm -hmm. We've got a fair few things to talk about, gentlemen. I want to start off talking first about Curve Apps and getting those updates, really. It's kind of interesting because so many app updates rolled in for Priv that it almost felt like an OS update, yeah. but, it, but it wasn't necessarily for everybody, right? I know Marshmallow is coming starting May 3rd for those people who are you know, either on a shop BlackBerry device or whatever the case may be. You're going to start seeing that Marshmallow update roll through. And here's a question for you, Blaze. Maybe you know the answer, and I would imagine the answer is no, but these updates for the OS are not mandatory, correct? It's not. I'm not going to wake up and my phone's going to be on Marshmallow, right? I'm going to have to sit through and actually grab that update manually myself, right? Yeah, you, you got to update it. You got to actually agree to it and download it because of the whole, like, we don't want to screw up your data plan deal. So you're going to have to basically agree to the, uh, the approval of downloading the operating system. It's not just going to, like, magically appear on your stuff and you know. Some people what? have some concerns about that, which is why I ask, because some people think, you know, I'm going to wake up, my phone's going to be updated, and, you know. No, no, I understand, because that happened, um, depending on, on how your device was actually set up, a lot of people had that happen with, you know, BlackBerry 10, and they didn't necessarily want to update to that particular OS, or, you know, they wanted to wait it out a few days and find out how the OS was before they, you know, rolled themselves into it, but no. It's not the not the same on Android. You basically have to you get a notification of the download being available, and then you have to agree to it, and then it downloads. So you're not going to just wake up and have it loaded on there. And shop shop BlackBerry devices, Amazon devices already oh, yeah. have the Marshmallow. So the Marshmallow, the Google. You know, it's funny because again, those those app updates came in before, right? We saw BlackBerry Services, we saw BlackBerry Hub, and we saw some of those cool new features that are, you know, kind of staples on Marshmallow come to Lollipop. So it is really kind of interesting to see, like, it felt like an OS update without necessarily it actually being one. And I thought one of the coolest updates that they did, probably the most important one that they did, was that keyboard update. Really, really cool stuff that came yeah, It's kind of funny because they, they BlackBerry gave away their plan at that point. Like, so the the app updates rolled out, and people were like, well, now I have Instagram in my hub. What does that mean? Well, obviously, <laughs> the Instagram in your hub update was specifically for Marshmallow. It wasn't necessarily, you know, just like a an, an update for Lollipop or anything like that. So at that point in time, everybody knew that Marshmallow was going to be directly right behind it. 
Right. I mean, but didn't that update come right when they announced that Marshmallow was going to be released that day on no, really. Shop Blackberry? I mean, there were there were there were some people that got it well ahead of any of the actual announcements. Like we knew, well, I don't know, but I can't say we, but I knew that it was coming because it was you know basically one of those things that was under embargo until you know it went up early on that morning. But there was people like that evening, the, the evening before that were getting the updates, and they're like, oh, well, Marshmallow must be coming, so they kind of like, Blackberry kind of like blew their own surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, is it really that much of a surprise, though? Like, no, I, I mean... I, it, I feel like... It's a surprise that it came as early as it oh, did. Oh, no, yes, yes, yes. But, like, it's not like people are... It's going to be too groundbreaking. Realistically, I think uh, Google Play, you kind of run into problems sometimes where you push out an app update and it might take some users 24 hours to get it. Some users might get it within like two hours. So I probably figure they, they, they're probably like, you know, better be safe than sorry and they just updated all of them. Pushed yeah, them it's, out. it's better than BlackBerry World. I mean, they pushed an Instagram update in BlackBerry World and it never made it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny because all yeah, these uh, were like really confused over it. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, just wait a few more hours and you'll see, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, you know, waiting is always the hardest part with BlackBerry, as we know. So it, it's one of those things that was definitely kind of exciting to see it come through. I know, specific to that keyboard update, adding in the swipe ability is one of those, like, I would never use it, but it's super awesome to have, right? Kind of like a parlor trick where you're drunk at the bar trying to catch girls yeah. or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Are you, are you, are you using Braille on your keyboard right now? No, I'm actually typing. This, that's the kind of stuff that I hope and kind of wish was coming to, like, VB10.3.3. Like, the small things, you know? I don't need, like, a massive OS update because the OS is already pretty stable. I'm really looking for just, like, like can, I, can I get predictive emoji on VB10.3.3? Like small little things like that, I feel, go a long way to actually updating the, the quote-unquote experience as opposed to, like, you know, a version number or a UI overhaul. And that's it. Kind of makes it seem so seamless for those changes to come through on Android through the yeah. Play Store. Whereas on BlackBerry World, you know, we haven't seen core app updates in forever. I think the last one we saw was Twitter like t two weeks ago. So it's a, kind of a, a weird place. I, I wonder where the attention is really going to be. We know right now that Android is the primary focus for this year. Something I saw was pretty interesting was as well. Kind of as we go through some of this uh, here is registering for BlackBerry and Microsoft's executive panel talking security productivity in the cloud. I thought it was pretty interesting how, you know, the collaboration there between the organizations in terms of, like, using those applications on a uh, Google-powered, you know, BlackBerry device it were really kind of totally outside of that walled garden we used to be in a couple of years ago, you know, when it was all BlackBerry all the time, everything was BlackBerry. Now we are basically totally cross-platform as we look at BlackBerry as a company, which is kind of interesting. Any of you guys going to register for that panel, or do you think they're going like, to maybe put the video or some of the information afterwards for people to... I registered for it, but that was only because I had to go through the registration process. And I like to be reminded of when those things actually come up. I don't necessarily check out every single one of them because you know some of them are really dry and droll and just not really that interesting, at least to my perspective anyways. But that one I'll probably actually check out because it's... Uh, it's one of one of the first uh, Microsoft ones that they have actually put together. We we saw quite a few of the Google ones, and there was I believe there was only one or two Microsoft ones. So it'd be just kind of interesting to see what the the comparison 
between the two organizations and how they work together would actually be um, compared to what you know the Google ones were. That's my only concern with that. I don't have, I don't have any real general interest in the actual topics. I just want I just want to uh, how do you say it? Just get a feeling of how the messages are being delivered. I guess you could say. It, it comes really interesting off of that news that we talked about last week. Yeah. About, you know, the vendors choosing Microsoft and BlackBerry to try to regain some of that ground in the government space. So I thought it was kind of a cool, interesting point for them to make to have this panel at this time and using some of the chief officers that they have for security and such in Canada, kind of pooling the local resources together to actually deliver those things. Pretty awesome. And I'm glad they continue to partner and show that they are still in the industry, right? <laughs> They're still in the industry they created, which is always <laughs> good, you know? It's definitely uh, interesting if you want to go register for that. There's links out there on CrackBerry. So Marshmallow is here for the priv. Everything you need to know is on CrackBerry. Tell us, you got seem, seeming like a little bit of an interview with Cluely. What were some of the like the highlights of that piece that you know general people listening to the podcast would be interested in hearing? Because Marshmallow as an update is massive in terms of you know the back end stuff, right? But some of the, the highlight features for when it, it's Android six point zero point one, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So uh, in terms of like this, like in terms of like the overall, like I say one of the biggest things with Marshmallow is obviously going to be the security, right? Now we have those those fine to that permission that we've had on BlackBerry 10 since 2013, three years later, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Google, you're here at the party. You know, I'm still on my passport. Uh, I thought I wouldn't make it a full week, but I'm actually loving it. And it's and the only reason I'm loving it is because I have these features that are, like, almost timeless. Like, for instance, you know, Apple got the live, uh, the live photos, right? And I've been doing time shift on my BlackBerry Z10 since forever, right? Have you really been using it, though? I do because it prompts you like when to do it, right? When there's a face in the frame, and it makes it super intuitive and easy. So it's really just amusing because you look at BlackBerry 10 as an operating system, and really, it's it's still got legs to live on because all everyone else is going so slow in the market right now. So it's kind of interesting. So does anyone else here have their update for Marshmallow? I know Alex and I on AT&T are just chilling. What about you, Darius? Did you get it? I'm on AT&T as well, so I'm still waiting myself. And Yo, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm gonna have to wait a little longer because I actually have like I had to go do the show this week and whatnot, so I'm gonna be in the show for like two weeks. So yeah, I probably won't even get a chance to use it till like around a ten. Even when it does roll out, Darius won't have it. <laughs> right. I've been waiting forever, and then the time finally comes, and I still can't use it. But um, I mean, I'm hearing good things for those who do have it on the priv. Um, I mean, you know, just update. I guess a lot of us just really been waiting on. And we've mentioned in. I'm sure everyone has mentioned in past podcasts about, you know, I know we're all surprised that we got it as fast as we did, and as soon as we did, I should say, but I know we're saying that it's something that we felt like we should have been had and whatnot, but um, looking forward to it, you know, you're just kind of looking forward toward those, uh, more of the optimizations for the battery. Um, security is, like, top of the list, most definitely, because it's not, like, a huge, like, you know, overhaul to the OS itself or driving of um, sort, you know, it's just kind of those, as you mentioned, back-end uh, features that we're kind of looking for um, and, and forward to using here, so uh, I can't wait to use it, to be honest with you. I, I'm really looking forward to the update. Well, I mean, when it comes down to the overall update, I think it was, I don't know, it was kind of like one of those things, they ruled out the beta, and a lot of people, surprisingly, and I don't, I don't really understand you know, the logic behind it, but a lot of people got mad 
at the fact that Marshmallow is now officially available while the beta is still going on. Mm-hmm. What you need to look at the situation like not everybody has the beta yet. They're still rolling it out to T-Mobile customers because right. T-Mobile was basically one of the ones that approved the beta presence of it. So you know, there's still it, it's not it's not as if BlackBerry put Marshmallow out and now they're done with Marshmallow. There's still plenty of updates yeah. that are going to be right. continuing to roll out through Marshmallow because you know the beta was good. And as as I'm sure most of us suspected, it was kind of like a little bit of a placebo beta anyways. It's kind of like, yeah, we're going to run a beta, but we can't give it to everybody because of the carrier situations and stuff like that. So they rolled out a beta. They got shot BlackBerry users on it. They collected some feedback from it. And then they rolled it out officially to those shop BlackBerry devices. But yeah, there's going to be more updates coming because, like James said, there, you know, there's a lot of back-end work that BlackBerry has done, um, specifically in the security area um, for the priv within Marshmallow. So, you know, the beta... The beta isn't necessarily over at this point in time either. You know, all of those shop BlackBerry devices that uh, you know got the update are still going to be part of the beta. You're still going to end up getting updates pushed out to your device through the beta zone um, process because of the fact that there are still other optimizations that have to be taken under consideration as well, like I said, with those T-Mobile customers and basically just Marshmallow in general. So, you know, don't exit the beta program just because you officially have it now. You know, there's still going to be more. There's going to be more opportunities for beta stuff to be pushed out. They even said that on the beta zone. So I didn't necessarily, you know, quite understand why everybody would, you know, sort of not, I shouldn't say everybody because that's not quite true, but I didn't understand the, you know, some of the animosity that was coming from the community uh, over them like rolling out a beta. It's I like, come people, on, you I got... People were trying to hold on to that, you know, it was like, oh, only a few of us have it. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Like, it comes out around the corner, but, I mean, as you mentioned, it's like, I think it's a great thing that the beta is still out there because at least you're actively yeah. getting feedback of the next upcoming update for it, and, and that's great. You should have like this group within the audience of the users of the priv that are sitting there giving you the feedback, you know, the, the critical information that you need in order to make it better for uh, the device itself. So, I mean... My, my problem with BlackBerry betas has always been, like, they do the beta, but then push the OS anyway, you know? So it's like, oh, yeah, this feedback's good for future updates, but you're not going to see... Like, kind of true. And I think that just speaks a lot that they've been running this the beta for so long that they're like, look, we know this is good enough to, um, you know, Pretty much put it out, push it out there. It's a stable OS. It can use it as a daily driver. Let's just give it to these people, get some initial feedback, some last minute stuff that we could probably tweak before to getting the actual official rollout. And, and that's it out. And I mean, essentially, I think that's exactly what happened. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they are already like on the second or third step right now. And that's what beta. That's the thing. It's not. It's not even necessarily like Marshmallow itself that is in right. beta. It's the BlackBerry specific stuff that is realistically in beta here. Right, because right, um, right now Android N is in beta. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's, exactly. that's, I think that's the big 
point here where, yes, right now, Marshmallow seems like it was a very kind of last minute, like, oh, here's a beta, and, and less than a month later, here's the actual release. <laughs> but realistically, they probably wanted to, you know, wet their feet a little bit, get the beta set up now. So I think this is a good sign for when they're, they're testing N. They might actually be one of the, you know, first few manufacturers to push out N in a beta and mess around with that very early on. Yeah, well, clearly was a little bit cagey on that part, too. Yeah. But. It, I mean, it, that's what I hope. Do Realistically, will it happen? I don't really know. Uh, it, it hasn't happened so much in the past with BlackBerry. I don't, I don't really feel like BlackBerry will do that, but there's hope. I, I'm, I choose yeah, to I mean, you know, We've all become accustomed to the fact that things change along the lines, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. We've all been accustomed to hope with When it comes down to, to like, the actual update, there's a lot of stuff that's gemmed in there from BlackBerry itself outside of the Marshmallow stuff. Like, um, clearly noted that they did the additional kernel hardening. hardening. Um, they basically included patches for Linux that are pretty much ignored by other OEMs, including Google themselves, and they did the you know, on-device encryption, and they equaled the improvements that are on Marshmallow over and above what are already actually there. I mean, BlackBerry DTAC is now actually a really useful application before. It was kind of like, yeah. it, it, was, it was an eye-opening application, but you couldn't actually do anything with yeah. it. I mean, you know, when it previous previous to Marshmallow, it was like, oh look, Snapchat accessed my location fifty thousand times. What am I gonna do about it? It's either you know you suck it up, Buttercup, or you delete the application, right? Or but download now, or download Casper and get your account locked. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But now you can open up the the uh, BlackBerry DTAC. And look and be like, oh well, Snapchat is actually accessing my location fifty thousand times. Let me go ahead and just disable that. You know, chances are it might crash the app. But you know what, Snapchat? Snapchat's a little bastard though, because half of the filters that they let you use are location-based ones. So it's, <laughs> I turn it off, and I'm actually limiting features of the app, which you know that's down to their design. And I know you know Snapchat's actually not that bad. Because yeah. No, I'm, it's I mean, obvious. I just use Snapchat as an example. Yeah. I, Outlook, for instance, was killer on my contacts, like 3,000 pings. And I'm like, yo, there's like 12 contacts in my Outlook. Like, how are yeah. you pinging them 3,000 times? It, you know, so we got DTech got updated with some actual values, more stuff in the hub. We had Slack, Skype, Pinterest, Instagram. So that was a nice update that if you've got the BlackBerry services update, you started seeing some of those things. Again, it's still going to toss you out to a separate application, but you're going to have those, you know, everything now integrated all into your hub, which is pretty cool. Keyboard swiping, again, I was talking about this a little bit earlier, really, really cool. Swipe typing where you can basically draw between the different letters to spell out a word is awesome, and now they've built that in on the BlackBerry physical keyboard, which I can't say that's ever been done by anyone before. Yeah. Anywhere, so let alone on a mobile device. So I, I think what what's the coolest thing about the keyboard update is that they allow you to use swipe on either or, not both, right? So if I turn swipe on, it's not like this standard thing that's now everywhere. So I can use swipe on the virtual keyboard, but use the normal BlackBerry flick typing keyboard on the physical, or vice versa, right? You literally can have it your way. And in terms of like a, a no compromise type device, I mean, the priv has given it to a lot of people right now. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm doing, and I found that it actually works really well because I do love the virtual keyboard in BlackBerry in the sense where you can flick backwards to delete words, and that's like that's something that I, I just absolutely love and can't live without. But you know, I've noticed that when I do use the, the virtual keyboard, normally it's with one hand. So say, for instance, if I wake up in the morning and I'm just going through my phone and I need to you know, respond to someone quickly, normally I just have one hand, and tapping with one hand is kind of a pain. So having the swipe functionality on the virtual keyboard, it's great with one hand use. And normally, if I ever have two hands on my phone anyway, I'm going to have the physical keyboard. So it's something that I didn't even know that I wanted. And I want it. And it, I'm very happy with implementation. So I, I'm, I'm surprised that BlackBerry even implemented it. It's such a random feature that's like, yes, swipe has existed in various keyboards for forever now. But it's like, I don't think anyone really saw this coming where BlackBerry is like, yeah, we're going to implement this for the heck of it. And uh, I, yeah, it, no. I expected them to go ahead and put it on the keyboard, like the virtual keyboard, but I totally was not expecting it. At all. Yeah, I'm, it's it's a little bit of a gimmick, and but people were talking about it. It was it was kind uh, yeah, of a top I mean, factor, but you know, BlackBerry, you know, for for as much flack as everybody gives everybody else for putting gimmicky things in there, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Gimmicks are what actually yeah. appeal to people. Like. You can yeah. say you hate gimmicks, but guess what? Chances are you're probably using some of them anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, but when it comes down to swipe typing, I, I tried it, and I my my brain does not grasp swipe typing really? whatsoever. <laughs> it just it's like no. Yeah, my favorite part of the BlackBerry keyboard was not having to spell or knowing, <laughs> or knowing the first two letters and just being like, all right, I, I can trust BlackBerry got me on yeah. this. You know, it's really interesting because we're talking like gimmicks, right? And it makes you wonder because when Cluey did his video standing up and actually telling us about the features, it's like, who are you catering to, you know? Yeah. It's like, does an enterprise user want swipe typing? Sure, sure, maybe they do, right? Because they're, <laughs> they're a consumer when they go home, right? And it really makes you kind of question the road that they plan to take yeah. with Android because Android is a very, very consumer-oriented OS, right? The enterprise users, they have BlackBerry 10 for, right? And they continue to update BlackBerry 10. As we know, they're bringing some updates on the pipe for those corporate government enterprise users. So why not go for some of those gimmicks on Android when you're on the most popular consumer OS out there, right? Like, why not? Especially if you have the capability, do it. Get some headlines, get some press, and, and do, you know, and make people happy. Options are always good to have, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I've come to the conclusion, like, at this point... It, it always that question always comes up like who is BlackBerry catering to with this device or who is BlackBerry catering to with that device? I've come to the conclusion that I'm not going to ask that question anymore. <laughs> There's no real answer, and yeah. it just seems like they're shooting it out to everybody and anybody who's absolutely interested. They're still trying to go ahead and capture some of the consumers. They're still wanting to go ahead and maintain their you know, enterprise customer base, and it's just kind of like you gotta gotta come to a point where it's like stop asking that question. They're just catering to people, right <laughs> anybody now, who will buy the device. Like it seems like right now, there's a definite fork in the road kind of happening from their software perspective in terms of like their operating systems. But you can almost imagine in the future those roads may collide once again in the future, right? Yeah. Where Android will be at a place where it can supersede BlackBerry 10. And honestly, using a passport right now, Brandon, you're on a BlackBerry 10 device as well. 
it's pretty good. I mean, I've patched some apps. I've gotten like YouTube and Google Photos and some of those Google apps that I wanted. And it's really just a great experience. And yeah. I find myself more and more, it's like, oh, app permissions? I already had that, you know? Yeah. One of those small things that, that are coming with N and came with Marshmallow, we already had on BlackBerry 10. Yeah, you, you know what the issue is, is that it's a, that, that's kind of like the key thing, is it's always, you know, just pretty good currently. I mean, it's, it, it, BlackBerry 10 has been so close, it's been just on the edge of being, you know, an ideal operating system for a long time. It's just a matter of the fact that, you know, some of these key apps, especially like Facebook was a big blow to me personally. Um, with on BlackBerry 10. Mine, mine literally still works 100%. Really? Eh? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like I can't get it back now because they, they just did a scumbag update. And and they, 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 tr they tricked <laughs> me with that, with that giant paragraph of text saying this will alter your experience forever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, be grab that a, as it Grab may. a bar file, man. It still works. Like, I think Facebook abandoned the APIs, but they didn't shut them down, which is what yeah. I think they expected to happen. Uh, and, and they didn't. Everything's still working for me. And and the thing is, I don't think there was any general API that prevented the app from working. It's just the context. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah. the only thing that but that they that Facebook wouldn't give BlackBerry is the API for context. And you know, for the mass majority, I'd say that that's probably one of the you know key points of actually maintaining the app. But Still, there's workaround solutions for that too now, where you can log into your Yahoo account and mm -hmm. export your contacts and shit like and, that. And and you know, it, it actually helped the ecosystem, Brandon, because now we have the Memories app. There's Face 10, Face 5, Face 7, Face 6, and and all of them are better than the actual native Facebook app is anyway. You know, it's funny because when before I came to my passport or came back to my passport. I had a Facebook app icon, and I click it, and it was already a link for the browser. So it's like before they ever changed the app up or you know updated it to a web app, that's what I was already using because it gives you Messenger and everything else all in one at one place, which is what I hate about Facebook now on Android. I refuse to download Messenger for like the three people I talk to on Facebook Messenger. Like it's not worth it for the battery drain and the face pop-ups, the little pop chat heads that kill me. Chat heads. <laughs> oh, my God. I know you can turn it off, but it's like I don't even want to deal with that crap. So, you know, I'll just use the browser. And for the most part, you know, BlackBerry 10 browser is still pretty pretty darn good, so I don't really mind. And, you know, Brandon, I find myself, like, missing things here and there, but it, they're honestly things I can live without, like Snapchat. Like, oh, well. I just want, yeah. to, show, I just want yeah. to show you guys what I'm updating. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Wow, 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 wow. That's a Red Z10 for those people who don't know what that is. <laughs> Going to the latest OS after it was like on BlackBerry like 10.1 something. <laughs> you should have you should have left it. <laughs> should have, but that's funny. It, watch it like break. It can't make that jump. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa. I'm so I need confused. To, I don't know I, what to do. I need to stop off at 10.2.1 and then jump to three, please. <laughs> No, but, you know, it is a, a lasting conversation for Priv right now because, you know, it still has a great battery. As Darius mentioned a little earlier, Marshmallow is really upping the ante with those and bringing in some of those added features for battery optimization. Blaze was telling me, like, yeah, you can definitely notice standby time is a lot better. And that's the kind of stuff I want, right? Like, BlackBerry 10 standby is sometimes pitiful because it's, like, always going. So things like those are smart additions that I wish would have came to BlackBerry 10, right? So little, little things that definitely go a long way. 
you know, blackberry working on that special sauce it, on the, on the yeah. Android side is you, good. You know, I will I will say the BlackBerry 10 in terms of I mean, there's other operating systems that once they start losing that app support, they just basically go dead in the water. And I will say that BlackBerry 10, even if it didn't have app support, the OS with the baked-in features is still adequate to be used as a smartphone device. For the for for I'd say for probably 80% of things you need to use a smartphone device for. Uh, so from that sense, I mean, that, that is a testament to how well this operating system was built. And I do think that even, you know, three or four years down the road, if somebody, you know, ends up getting a secondhand BlackBerry 10 device just for, you know, shits and gigs or something like that, it, it's still going to be a device that they can use, which can't necessarily be said about some other operating systems uh, that have gone through a similar type of thing. Rest in peace, Ubuntu. We'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Ubuntu Mobile, rather. But, you know, Brandon, you make a totally good point. And I, I honestly think there is a lasting power with BlackBerry 10 for those very reasons, because it's going to stay good at the basics for a while. And honestly, right now, as I, as I use my Prave and I use my Passport kind of in tandem on this trip, I'm visiting my family in Georgia right now, so, so my scenery is a little bit different. But um, I, I find that, like, the, the true hub experience is... You cannot beat it, right? Actually, I like it makes me want to respond to notifications and like emails are just easier to type out. The keyboard on the passport, the best. I know Alex loves his Priv keyboard. I and do. Thinks it's the best thing in the world. But two two hand typing, if you're gonna use two hands, that wide extra space, bigger keys, and that virtual row, I'm, I'm in love. And and like I'm so like, dang, I should just go back to to Priv just because, right? Because I have it and it's the newer device and. It's the thing that's getting all the uh, Apple page and the excitement right now. But I'm so enjoying BlackBerry 10 and being back there. And it's really three things. It's like the multitasking, it's the UI, and it's the keyboard and the, and the actual, like, the form factor. If they built a Passport running Android, like a, a Passport 2, I, I might be, like, totally set in my ways. And that might, you know, uh, that might lead into a little bit of a conversation we're going to have later. But I wanted to segue here to BlackBerry hiring a lead of global sales of its devices. Yeah, I, I, messaged, I messaged Blaze this like uh, maybe like a, like a week ago. Whenever the news drops and I'm like, I'm about time. Like, where, where, <laughs> has, where has this guy been all of BlackBerry's life, right? It's interesting that it's coming now after John Chen makes some of those hardware promises for September's time frame, right? For him to come in. You wonder how much effect he can actually make in such a short period of time. I mean, May is already here for us. What do you guys think of this and what it means for BlackBerry? Does it mean maybe a movement away from some of their carrier distribution channels and more toward that kind of B2B direct business type uh, sales that we've seen them pushing on uh, you know, their direct sales channels? Or is it more of a kind of total overhaul push that we can see coming from Alex, Alex Berber, if I said that correctly? I don't know. It's really hard to say at this point because his comments were not necessarily pointed in any one singular direction. It was just basically, you know, my focus is to achieve BlackBerry's strategic priority in making the device business profitable. Well, I could that could mean a lot of different things depending on how you actually look at the situation. But, I mean, at least now they got somebody in there. And even if it is, you know, just focusing on their B2B Scenario, then that's still that's still beneficial for them to go ahead and have somebody who is you know uh, basically 
settled into this environment and is actually taking care of it. Like, you know, rather than you know, John Chen basically just flying over the, all over the world, meeting a bunch of people, there's at least a, a dedicated person to be able to go ahead and turn to and say, yeah, like, this is the person who we have to hold accountable for this situation now. And, you know, either way, no matter, you know, whether it's to, you know, broaden the scope of sales in general or if it's just their business-to-business -business aspect of it all, it's still good to essentially go ahead and have that person there. I mean, I'm really interested to see where he does actually take it, though, because, I mean, again, no matter what the scenario, it's still a good thing, but if it turns out that he's, you know, hitting hitting device sales across the board and not just focusing on the B2B, then that means that there's a little bit more faith in the actual device business than what even maybe John Chen has actually put forward. So, because, Ooh. I mean, we've all, we all know the mixed messages that he has put out at, at certain points in times, like, you know. It's really kind of an interesting point as well to bounce right off of that sentiment, Blaze, because they hit 600,000 devices in a quarter. I mean, that's pretty low. Yeah. So it's almost, like, it's almost like you can only go up from here, and now with a dedicated individual here overseeing the global sales force, it's like, you know, you're going to have to do better, right? right? Knock on wood, right? Because, of course, anything can happen with BlackBerry, but at least with someone there, I find it interesting they open up the blog post as BlackBerry looks to accelerate sales of its Android-powered priv, BB10 smartphones, and future devices we're pleased to announce senior VP. You know, So, again, with BlackBerry 10 still kind of in focus for some of those customers as if they want to continue selling those devices as well. So you can imagine they're going to have to continue, obviously, supporting those devices. And I think, honestly, whether Alex either succeeds in the year he's there or whatever the case may be, looking at his track record where he's been with uh, WatchGuard, they can easily migrate him to the enterprise sales side of the business and keep him on whether he's successful in the device endeavor or not. So it seems like just a good idea to bring him on for sales, period, because sales are what BlackBerry needs one way or the other, be it device, software, however it's going to go. So it seems I like suppose, a very smart move. I suppose it's important to point out that he's only the vice president of VP, yeah, VP of global sales. Carl Weiss is still the um, the go-to, yeah, yeah, president of global sales. So, you know, this Alex Thurber fella still has to look up to Carl Weiss. And let's honestly, I have not heard a single thing from Carl Weiss except for the article that was put out. You know, I believe it was like a few weeks ago. We talked about it on Upstream. I think it was like. It had that really weird headline that was just... Yeah, about, about, about the M&A strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our portfolio so, is complete now. Yeah, yeah so it, it, it not only does it come like yeah, following that article, it also he's also the vice president, so there was there was one person accountable before him, but now it just seems like you know they have two people who are essentially focused on it, which, yeah. I mean... Logically, two people is better than one. <laughs> it's always hard to like speak on these kind of subjects until you know right. It's like until the numbers come out or they actually leave and then you can kind of like assess the job they did or you can assess the job they did for that period. You know what I mean? So or the job they didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
And that's kind of been said about a lot, a lot of, well, I don't want to say a lot of, but a couple who have left in the, you know, past. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's one of those simple things. You always see bad when Blackberry <laughs> makes things, uh, <laughs> when Blackberry, you know, kind of brings on those hires, especially when it's like people that have a good rapport coming from their last company. So, I mean, you know, any help is good help. Um, or I should say it's better than no help. Um, but, you know. I, I hope to see them, as you mentioned, is nowhere to go but up. You hope to see them achieve the numbers that they're looking for, and we want to see them like push you no know, more of these units in terms of the two new devices that are to come, as well as the Priv and the current BB10 uh, devices, whether it be in enterprise or in just the you know con regular consumers' hands. It's, it seems as well like he seems to have a nice approach to kind of understanding the business. Yeah, Alex hailed from Cisco, which is where Carl also hailed from as well. So I wonder if they had crossed paths previously yeah. in the past. You know, total speculation that I don't want to dig through the dates and times and things like that. But also he talks about, you know, they're going to increase the sales force that's out there, looking at new ways to connect with customers, trying different models for selling, getting new types of partners and finding new routes to market. Again, increasing that headcounts in organizations so there's a direct relationship with their customers. And I think that's something that's wholeheartedly been missing, right? That's something Apple has with its brick-and-mortar stores. They have that direct connection with their customers there. So obviously we're not saying BlackBerry's going to go brick-and-mortar, but having that direct connection so that you've got to go to is something that's super important. And it hails off the same kind of conversation we had last week when talking about that direct uh, direct sales uh, you know, endeavor that they've initiated to get businesses on board with BlackBerry devices. I'm definitely interested in seeing what this veteran can actually do for BlackBerry, and I hope his tenure here is longer than uh, Johnson's, per se. Uh, <laughs> moving on from there, BBM. And, and this is where our, the option gets juicy right now, right? We're talking about <laughs> BBM for Android updated to include BBM video chat. Now, it's, it's one of those things that we've talked about so much on Upstream that it's almost like one of those points that was like just null and void for us. Like it's never yeah, gonna happen. It's yeah. never gonna happen. I had heard rumors of this to come maybe like weeks ago, and I, I literally discarded them because I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, lo and behold, we actually get a beta, and the beta is open for everyone in the U.S. and Canada to try out on Android, and it actually works pretty well. I, I thought, you know, there was some. Some interesting little like hang-ups here and there that I noticed, but it could be my Wi-Fi when I attempted to try. Have any of you guys actually tried out BBM video chat on my devices, and what have your experiences yeah. been? Yeah, I mean, I initially, the first time I, I called Chris, and his, for some reason his camera wasn't working, so that was like the first bug, but afterwards I tried it uh, again uh, in a couple instances, and it worked totally fine. It only It's only two megapixels, all right? Give him a break. <laughs> no, but it seemed to be working fine, and it it's it's a nice looking UI. I feel like it's very fairly intuitive. What I do like a lot is um, so essentially when you get a call, it will prompt you. You could just answer with with you know audio, or you can choose video as well. So it's kind of nice. Like if someone does video chat you, and maybe you don't want to be on video at the moment, you can just do audio, and it's it's fairly intuitive the way that it's done. And don't uh, I don't know. I think it's it's nice, but obviously it's beta for a reason. I'm sure it's buggy to an extent. Yeah, with with video, a lot of that acceleration is done at the hardware level, so they need to actually build for the software on chip on different various devices. And as we all know, devices run totally different, you know, 
hardware setups. So they actually have to go and build support and refine for the vast majority of the devices that are out there. And that's just going to take time, hence the beta, right? So, you know, and here's the thing too, right? People are like, oh, I can't call my Z30. Again, this is a beta. Currently, it's locked on those for right now. In the future, we may see an update that expands that out to a broader kind of range. But for right now, it is strictly between Android iOS devices running the latest update. Is it, though? Because there is, there is in some cases where it actually allowed the calls to go through and such. For, I for, suppose that's, for that's part of the beta thing. Yeah, it may, it may work. It may not. Yeah. I think that someone with, like, two devices and they accidentally picked up a BB-10 in the call. <laughs> it works! It's like, no, nah, it's not what it is. But I've tried it on, a, you know, Passport and Priv. Didn't work for me there. Um, but the one thing I was kind of sad to not see was screen sharing. That was something that I loved about BB-10. Yes, video. yes. And I loved how, you know, just intuitive it was. Like, for instance, if I'm screen sharing and typing in my password, it blocks it out. You know, stuff like that is just really thoughtful, and of course, in time, maybe we'll see something like that, and maybe we won't, right? What I do think is that coming off the heels of WhatsApp, it's a smart move, for yeah. sure, for them to go video and go now and actually come back on promises that were dropped by Thorsten kind of years ago. So very, <laughs> very interesting. And you see this kind of BBM meeting shutting down and then BBM video chat coming about, it all kind of makes sense from a logistical standpoint as you look back at it. It's like, oh, right, makes more sense to a degree why BBM meetings maybe wasn't the right move in right. terms of, you know, actually monetizing the video side of BBM and getting that there. But, of course, you know, if you're going to leverage BBM toward kind of that enterprise crowd as, a, you know, an enterprise IM, you got to have video chat. I mean, Skype or, excuse me, Skype for Business, Microsoft Link, mm -hmm. has all of that in there already because it builds off the foundation of Skype. So it's definitely important for them to have. Oh, the Z10 is so tiny. Yeah. With BBM, like the whole BBM meetings, I, I just felt like it was, BBM meetings just should have been a feature within BBM, period. It shouldn't have been standalone uh, or standalone app, so to speak. Like <laughs> That's what happens when you whitelist Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, I mean... I don't know. BBM meetings, it was cool, but it just, you know, it was kind of like pointless. So um, I know me personally just using, I use BBM video today. And, <laughs> you know, yes, the, the front facing camera does suck. So, like, the, the quality is there in good lighting, um, but the sound is there. That's what I noticed, like, off the bat. I thought the sound was definitely great. Um, it is a beta, you know, with a screen share. A friend of mine I was chatting with using it, you know, he instantly mentioned it. He was like, man, I definitely want screen share. Because he was asking me about uh, some quick charge uh, products, as a matter of fact. And I was trying to show him. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to share the links to you um, through the group chat. I'm going to go through our chat or whatnot. So it's got a couple hiccups. Like, I know we were on, the, like, the, when we originally got on, it was something like limited. Um, kind of kind of activity and and then it just went out and then we got hooked back on. Um, while I was on uh, video chat with them again, my wife had skyped in, and when I went to uh, ignore the call and went back to him, my sound what like got reverted to the earpiece instead of from the actual speaker. So there's a couple of hiccups. It's definitely a beta, but I think for what it's worth right now, uh, it's pretty good. And I'm just happy to see it back again. Like, I can't wait till you are able to kind of like go cross platform though. If it is an issue with it, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Chris, that some people are able to or whatever. But 
I think that'll be hella dope if you're able to uh, talk to BB10 or iOS or whoever. One of the things that I think was kind of like most pertinent about BB10 and actually selling those devices, because people, you look at, even today, I mean, Brandon can attest to this, you show someone a passport and you, you, you know, you show them that passport for like a good minute or two and show them what it can do and they're like, dang, that's awesome, you know? And one of the first questions I get from a lot of people is, does it have video chat? And I'm like, yes, but no, you know, with, with, a, with a BlackBerry 10 device. Whereas now, with a PERB, you can say, yeah, it's got video chat, it's got BBM, and it works cross-platform. Yeah, not quite, you know? It's like, it's almost there. And if they can get it to a cross-platform place, it's going to be a really, really good upsell for that device. Because people buy iPhones for FaceTime, you know? They want to be able to have that video chat with their people or whatever the case may be because they have all their people on that one kind of messaging platform. So I know a lot of people, especially in Latin America, who they do use BBM, but they want to be able to do that video call with some of their loved ones. And I can't recommend a BB10 device unless the whole family gets a BB10 device, right? So it was a pain point at, a, at some point to actually say, you know, yeah, there's video chat, but only in the BB10 ecosystem. So expanding upon that now just increases and catalyzes, you know, what Priv is capable of doing in the marketplace. So I definitely give them kudos for coming around, putting putting the dollars where, they're, where their mouth is, right, and actually yeah. it, developing this. And I'm proud of them. It was, it was one of those moments we all kind of wept a little bit for BlackBerry because it's uh, you just swell with pride, of, you know, because BlackBerry's actually making moves. And you wonder where those where those BBM updates have been because we haven't seen many in a while. There it is, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, kind of, you got to appreciate Google, too, for not really implementing a true, like, native video call feature as well from the jump. I mean, because they have so many. You could when you can use uh, Hangouts or Skype or whatever, you know, the various applications that are out there, but they don't have, like, that one, uh, as I mentioned, just that true native video calling um, application that you can use. Google and, is good at, at self-sabotaging itself. I mean, realistically, right. they they should have created a messaging platform that worked with, like, text messaging and things like that, and they did with Hangouts. You could put your text messages in there, and then all of a sudden they discontinued it, like, I mean, five months ago. Like, like they're not... Yeah, no, you, like, you, I, I, I totally agree. You know, with Apple, with the iMessage, and then FaceTime, it's like you look at Google and how big they are. Why do you not have something like that? But it does leave room for the you know other software companies to create to come and create and I mean hell make better you know so I'm glad that Google as I mentioned doesn't have something like that to allow BlackBerry to restore yeah. faith back into that one feature for their application and it's a good thing you know what I mean but Lord forbid yeah. <laughs> Google does come along with it it's not just gonna kill BlackBerry and the little hope that they have left but it's gonna hurt a lot of other applications as well you know, people still use Skype across the board because I can't FaceTime, you know, an uh, iOS user, um, but I can surely Skype them or whatever the case may be. But Google's a funny company. They uh, they tend to get gun-shy with some ideas and then end up canceling other ideas, you know, while they're deep in the process. Like, for sounds, instance, like sounds like some company I know. Yeah. Research like, for instance, Google Glass, that had a whole bunch of momentum. So many people were excited for it, a whole bunch of pre-orders, and then they just kind of, you know, let it fall to the wayside. Maybe they have other plans for it, which I'm sure that is. But, I mean, even other products like uh, Google Plus, like that kind of, I, I would consider Google Plus to be a failure in my books. 
and the only reason it's kind of had any relevance is because you need it now to post to YouTube and you need it for Google Hangouts. But apart from that, I, I, I think most people that have a Google Plus account don't actually use it as a social network and they just simply use it for those chat features and, well, I guess technically if you want to look at it like that as a social network, but what it was initially meant to be was kind of a Facebook competitor and it never really panned out like that. And I think it, it, it's just one of those things that even even if you are big in the marketplace, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to put together the right type of chemistry to get something uh, something like that off the ground and, and make it be yeah. successful. This is you can't make a pop if it's not going to pop. Yeah. <laughs> Google's these terrible models. It's like they have too many ideas and they just, they're not good at putting everything in one compact you know, solution for consumers and making it simple to use. It's like I have to use this in order to use this and in order to get that I have to have that. It's just terrible. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're great at monetization but you're terrible at it at the same time and I've never, I don't know another company that's out there that does that. There's <laughs> <laughs> no other company has the money to waste. Essentially that's what Google does to do everything that they do. Google, Google is, is always just getting ahead of themselves. Mm. And the problem is they built Google Glass, but now they're patenting these injectable contact lenses right. that will be Google Glass. You know, it's yeah. like innovation is one of those things that it's like, no, let's spend all of our money in the future, right? So like they have ADHD. They're like, they, they can't keep their focus on one thing because it's like, yeah, we're working on this. And then it's like, as you mentioned with the Google Glass, the guys like, and it's like, why they're working on it? It's like they're almost done with Google Glasses. Guys, like, wait, what if we could use contact lenses? This be even better. Oh yeah, let's start working on that. And then it's like glasses just yeah. sat there, and all they need is one screw to be put in, and it was finished, and it just didn't happen. It, yeah, okay. it's it, it's like the their two runaway hits have been the Android operating system, which I don't even think they intended it to be, kind of how it ended up going, right? It just kind of molded and, and got taken on by a whole bunch of third-party developers and things like that who really ran with it, and they were able to kind of develop an operating system through that support. Uh, but I think uh, apart from that, some of their other biggest, like their biggest hit in my books, and in, in my opinion, besides their original search function and, and advertisement kind of bread and butter, is kind of been Google Maps. I mean, cross-platform, everybody can agree that Google Maps is, is the best mapping solution out there if you're, if you're trying to figure out where you need to go and things like that. And that's been a runaway hit, right? Yeah. I, and honestly, with Android, I, I always told people, hey, I don't think if it was for Verizon, Android wouldn't have gotten the legs that it did because Verizon definitely put a lot of money behind it. And that was just yeah. because of the battle with AT&T and the money they had put behind the iPhone. That's, that's, honestly, it was just carriers that really put, you know, those two <laughs> companies on a map with their uh, operating systems because BlackBerry just was like, no, we're all over the place and we're getting this money. Well, so BlackBerry people, screwed up. They released yeah. the BlackBerry Storm. <laughs> oh, and they, and because that was Verizon's answer originally, like, hey, we need something to kill it. And when it didn't fall through, they were like, you know what? All right, screw those guys. Let's see what, these go what Google has to do. And they took a shot and they did it right. You know, yeah. they didn't try to come at their neck like just we're gonna kill the iPhone. Like no, look, we we do what we do, they do what they do, and I think what Google was smart as just like look, it, essentially now what BlackBerry's whole role is is some people just do things better than how you do it, and that's fine. But we do yeah. great, and they should have said that from the jump, and that should have been that, but they didn't. 
Yeah, and that's essentially the open source community. Google grew as big as it did through having things, you know, open. Well, they they can see the power of the internet and how important open source is. And realistically, like the way that Google Maps even identifies house numbers, essentially, it's kind of the thought process is those captures that you type in at the end, they'll have a number, and you're actually identifying the house number. Like they just use open source, and they they know that it's great. So now you have all these, you know, Samsung and all these other companies who are just using Android because it's open source. So they like they had this whole plan all along. I I, I think they expected it to get to where it is now. Uh, they probably did not expect BlackBerry to jump onto it, but I feel like they they this is kind of their ultimate plan. They didn't want to get on Google. Hardware. Nobody cares about Google. Yeah. <laughs> I care about Google about as much as John Chen cares about Android. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, does um, <laughs> wait. So I wanted to transition to our latter topic here, talking about the Rome and Hamburg. Oh, world. boy. The Hamburglar. The oh, Hamburglar. Oh, the so these images were obviously from Dylan. We saw them on his VVM channel maybe a week or two ago, right? The fact that we needed a clarification post, admittedly, is probably past due, but here it is. Blaze did a really nice write-up here in bringing in some of Dylan's words to clarify what these images are. And this is really kind of the meat of the conversation today, because I'm honest to see, honestly excited to see what you guys think of these devices and whether they have a viable potential for BlackBerry. Because if we look at these these pieces of hardware, this all touches shit. I mean, whatever. Rome. <laughs> if we really want to focus on anything, this is the device to focus on because it actually has BlackBerry Signature keyboard, right? And as Dylan explains further down here, he'd seen some units that potentially had a biometric fingerprint scanner in the space bra, which I think is a very intuitive place to put something like that if you're going to do it. Now, as we already know, these devices, multiple pieces of hardware are floating around all the time. It's what's actually on the roadmap and what's actually coming to a head. If you look at a middle-range device in 2016 running Android, you're looking at a quad-core Snapdragon, you know, something in the 600 range, if that. So I really would wonder whether something like the Roam running, you know, just a quad-core as opposed to, like, the 808, whether it's something that people actually would pay for. I mean, does the form factor interest you guys? Blake, maybe you want to chime in because you wrote up this full piece and understand it obviously more than we do. Is this something you'd even care about? Like, I don't really care about a mid-range device because Priv struggles on its own as an 808, you know? Right. I mean, it's, they're cool. I mean, and what I like, I mean, what he did with the renditions. I mean, it's just like it's the artist's rendition of what he feels like the device is going to be. And, I mean, they're pretty, like, uh, accurate. I don't. I mean, can't say they're accurate because we don't know yet. But I mean, they they make a good. It's a good idea of what he has going on, and he like it. What my thing is is, you can make these fine and great devices. You make a mid range, but right now, what is BlackBerry considering mid range? That is the big question when I think it comes down to it. I think they're gonna go. They're gonna go like what Android has defined mid-range as, which is a quad-core, three gigabytes of RAM, decent camera, and you know, a decent battery. But it's like everybody's doing that, right? So, so in terms of like performance, we already know with the encryption and everything that BlackBerry's got going on under the hood to deliver that security, some of the performance takes a hit. And I, I literally have been comparing the past couple of days. I've been comparing the S7 Edge 
yeah. to my priv, and it's undeniable the difference. And of course, that's running obviously like the latest software on chip versus priv that is obviously not. But I also think it's kind of interesting because the form factors are almost identical. The, the S76 Edge is the same exact size as the priv. In, in terms of thickness, all that, it's basically the exact same, which I thought was interesting. But to me, right now, I'm on a passport. Brandon's on a passport. This is the kind of form factor I want. I want that keyboard to always be there so that I can get the full effect of it, the full benefit of it all the time without needing the slide. I get why the slide is cool, and I think for some people, they want that duality. They want a touch screen most of the time. But they still want that keyboard for you know slamming out those emails or whatever the case may be. But this kind of device, the Rome, interests me much more than anything else because this is the kind of device that I think really really stands out as a BlackBerry. Whereas this Hamburg, what that looks like an HTC like one, you know, from <laughs> from 2013 or whatever the case. So for me, this doesn't stand out, and I think yeah, you can do it. I think it'll sell for some enterprise people, but it's got to come in at like leap like prices for me. If that's like solid, nice metal, like I could see that being an attractive yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, just like the passport SE was solid, yeah. nice metal. Yeah. yeah. So it has yeah. to have though that SE, the the you know uh, chassis. It has to have that. I think uh, in order for it to work aesthetically and especially to be mid-range and really catch people's eye, because you know it's one thing when you have when you look at mid-range phones, they look like mid-range phones like yeah you definitely didn't pay that much for yeah. if you can make a mid-range phone look appealing then you can definitely sway a lot of people to buy, purchase those devices especially if it comes in at a good you know same price point one thing I do like about his renders is that how he's taken the new that Blackberry font that he's put on there that has really been shown a lot in uh, Blackberry's latest ads I really think they should run with that I think moving near the future they should use that as branding on their phones Oh man, they got so much hate though. I mean, yeah. really, I like that. Oh, the logo is ugly. Because bro, it's like think about it. You know, they're kind of rebranding themselves, right? Moving into the Android space, and I think moving forward, you should kind of stick with that. I mean, we've been looking at this BlackBerry branding for what a decade now. That's so, a, that. That is a branding cluster because the Priv has the old logo, so it's just a mess. They can't do it, and they won't. <laughs> yeah. No, I I I don't know. At least me, like I like the lowercase letters it feels like less I don't know yeah complicated I totally agree I think right now like if they were to you know wait a year and and do that but like launching two devices this close together I think it'd yeah. be a mistake to do a rebranding like this they should have rebranded when they first went Android if, yeah. They were, yeah. if they were going to at all but for me I mean an all touch devices is I like all touch devices. Don't get me wrong, right? I think they're very beneficial for what they are capable of doing. But I don't think BlackBerry on an all touch device in the mid range has any purpose really, other than to be an be an option. Because I think by the time this device comes out, Priv will have dropped to a price range that is pretty median, pretty yeah. middle, and the software as well. And I feel like that's the all touch, right? The Priv. Yes. Just, just don't open it if you don't want to. You blaze that tape it shut, you'll be all right. Yeah, um, and, and the rumors are, too, that this mid-range phone will essentially have same specs as Passport, or, uh, sorry, as the Priv. So it's, like, really, then, like... It, it, it won't. 
It won't because that will that will piss it's not people have off. The same specs as approved, that's yeah. for sure. It's gonna be mid-range Android, which again is like. But what what is mid what is mid-range Android is going to be high-end Android from last generation? So like mid-range mm. Android will be priv specs. No, you're not gonna put a six six cores in a in a mid-range. Yeah, you're looking at like you need to lower your or, expectations down to like. HTC A9 level, and then there you go. That's mid range. No, but yeah, but that was mid range before. Like, no, that's there's a lot of mid range devices this year that are coming, and they're all rocking the 617. No, I get what you're saying, it's Alex. Gonna, it's gonna continue. The thing is, is that you gotta you gotta almost look at like the 810, the Snapdragon 810 chip, as if it almost it doesn't exist because it has so many issues. So the 808 is still predominantly more towards the high end spectrum when it comes to Android. There are, there are tiers to process, right. right? So regardless of whether it's an, an old gen, it's not going to drop to a mid tier processor. It's a high end processor, period. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing with the Passport, right? Like that's a high end processor, quote unquote. But obviously, you know, right now you could probably get it for a mid-range price in terms of where you. So you don't think like the 808 is ever gonna be the 808 or the 805 or anything like that is ever gonna just be seen as mid-range? Yeah, when we just a couple decacore processors out there, you know. But but no, because again, it's it's about about the cost of manufacturing, not the processing speed or the date and time that's elapsed. Because if you think about it, like for instance, the LG V10 rocks an 808, same as the Priv, but that's a high-end phone, you know. Period. And it's gonna stay a high-end phone. It's it's more about how much the chip costs to make that's mm-hmm. gonna really determine, and how much it's gonna cost, obviously, to, to manufacture and, and you well, know, to sell out. It's really gonna determine the range of mid. Processors don't work like that, anyways, Alex, because it's basically like as soon as a processor gets released, they're already on to the next five processors. Yeah. So I say, I don't, that that 808 was, is like oh, oh well. That's last year's stuff. Okay, no, no, no. This is this is interesting for me because I I didn't really know this. So, are you saying that the processor that might be used in this phone might not even really be on the market yet, but it's going to be built as a mid-range processor? Yeah, it's on the market right now. For sure. It's just it's not what it's on the market right now in mid-range devices. <laughs> right. There are ranges of Snapdragons that are out there. Yeah. Right. There's the yeah. 800 series, which is the top line. The 600, which is the middle, and then the 400, which are the low. We're gonna get a 600, very, very likely, somewhere along that line. Maybe a 617, a 620, whatever the case may be. It's gonna be just that mid-range processor because it's easier to get that silicon as opposed to the 808s, which are more expensive. And I think it's good for BlackBerry because, in terms of reselling those devices overseas and things like that, again, the cost will be cheaper. Whereas yeah, I can buy an 808 and give you better performance, but the difference between a quad core and a six core on a highly encrypted BlackBerry Android device is going to be menial in terms yeah. of the actual difference people are going to see in performance. They need to get optimizations oh, at that level. Thinking about it, like, thinking about processors like cars, like yeah, but in 2017, the 2016 is going to be lower priced. Yeah. Necessarily work like that. In cars, you'll buy the 2016 and 2015 yeah. <laughs> with the 2017 that, that's, engine. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you that's... know, speaking on specs, I, I was just thinking about it earlier. With uh, matter of fact, it was right before the release of the Priv. Chris had made a good point. The only thing that it was like kind of like a big regret with the Priv is uh, maybe adding like four gigs to RAM instead of three yeah. to a little bit more yeah. future proof. And I really look at that now, and I'm hoping like later on that it doesn't really come back to kind of bite 
BlackBerry in the ass because you know we don't we don't know what's expected to come with um, with Android and and I'm sure that devices that have three gigs will not suffer at all. I'm positive that it's just moving forward. You see that that's kind of like been the biggest thing, um, the biggest new thing. Like it's not necessarily the processor; it's all about the RAM and and yeah. how, uh, you know the the applications that it can handle at the core, so to speak. And that's one of the things that when you look at these mid-range devices, what will start becoming that standard in terms of RAM for them? And if they're on the same level of RAM as the high-end device, then where does the high-end devices need to stand at in the long run? That's yeah. kind if, of what yeah. If they, no. if they take a high-end phone that everyone buys at a high-end price and slate it as a mid-range device, people are going to be like, what the F? You know, they're going to be pissed. Mm. So they have to definitely have different okay. specs. So I that think, for their I own think gonna, I think they're going to they're keep at the 3,000 milliamp hour battery. They're going to keep right around that mid-range 600 series of Snapdragons. They're going to go for, I think, better cameras, as Dylan said in his you know in his write-up, because I think those are pain points consumers, general consumers, had with Priv. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're learning from that for sure. I think they're also going to keep with 3 gigs of RAM. I don't think we're going to get more. Yeah. Because, again... Why is the mid-range getting more RAM than yeah. the high-end, you know? They've set that's that's up, interesting, yeah. They set themselves off to be cost-effective, but also performance-ready. Not performance-excellent, but ready to go, right? The Priv works, and it works fast. Yeah, do you need that extra 0.5 seconds, you know, or that 0.25 of loading time? Some people do, right? That's why Blaze is actually an LG fanboy. You know, that's what, you know, <laughs> things like that happen. But <laughs> Blaze, does, does the LG V10 have four gigs of RAM? I don't know. I honestly don't know what the specs on it. All I know is that it's a little bit faster than the. Uh, I think for sure. I think the V10 has three gigs as RAM as well. But I could check. I'm checking right now, so you don't need to worry about it. Four would make sense compared yeah, to. Because the one thing that I am noticing with yeah, the... Yeah, it's got four gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, okay, because that's the big thing I'm noticing with the Priv, at least, is if I have, like, the Maps application open and I'm listening to Google Play Music and I'm streaming in my car and then a phone call comes in, my phone just, it gets overwhelmed. It just totally just... And I, I go to the memory management and I'm totally out of memory. So that's where I... Those are the scenarios where I really wish I just had one extra gigabyte of RAM in there. And That's uh, why I'm leery about mid-range devices. Like yeah. I mean, to basically what Darius was saying as well, you know, regarding the RAM, like, okay, if I buy this mid-range device, and let's just, let's just say it has, like, 3 gigabytes of RAM in it or whatever, but the next version of Android or, you know, they come to find out that the BlackBerry applications need a little bit more yeah. RAM later on down the road, yeah. then I'm stuck with that device Which on 3 gigabytes of RAM. Which you and know. will need more RAM because they're pushing multitasking more, and with yeah, multitasking, it, you're going to use more RAM. You're going to basically be at that at point in time, you have to consider like, okay, is this going to be a future? I don't want to say future proof because obviously, obviously future, nobody yeah. buys it to be future proof, but exactly. you know, everybody buys it with the with the intent to you know go ahead and at least be able to fulfill their contract yeah. with it, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens if I buy this device, come to find out it's got three gigabytes of RAM in it, but the next Android version or the BlackBerry applications really need four, am I going <laughs> to suffer from not having enough RAM? Am I going to be missing out on some of these applications or these benefits or these features because I bought a mid-range device? Like, does that mid-range device 
become like you know a quote unquote throwaway device at that point in time because of the fact that you know it doesn't have enough support for it. Like that's why I'm I'm, I'm very leery about mid range devices and the capability that you know presumably BlackBerry is going to go ahead and put into these because again. I hate to use future-proof, but it, that's the, the only word for it. It has to be somewhat future-proof because it needs to be forward-looking yeah. you know, to be able to go ahead and at least get the maximum amount of use out of that device or at least be able to fulfill the contract. I don't want to be halfway through a contract and be like, oh, crap, well... Now I'm stuck, right? Like, or, or, I, don't, I don't think anyone's phone is going to just like lock up and you know be used. To no, no. But, but you at know, the same point, BlackBerry, BlackBerry needs to sell handsets. So if you've got to buy yeah. another one in two years, you got to buy another one. And again, it gives them an opportunity so that when everyone's putting five gigs of RAM, they can be cost-effective at four and still be viable, you know? I so, feel like the RAM thing is just finally starting to catch up with, you know, Android OS. You know, it's yeah, like, yes. always been Android OS's, like, enemy was RAM. Yeah. yeah. With the priv, even with the 808 and three gigs of RAM, just swiping, you know, throughout the phone, you still get those little hiccups, little freeze, yep. pop, you know, every now and then. It's just RAM. It's just all it is. And it just, I don't know, it, it seems like Google will not, I don't even know how to say it, you know, because I don't really, I'm not even trying to get into the gist of it, but you know, it's like, when are you going to stop optimizing the OS to run on minimal Spec, so to speak. You well, know, I mean, that was something that they have worked on. Yeah. They brought it down. It, it, Android, it, if they hadn't have worked on Android back when, like, when Project Butter was a thing, yeah. then we would be in a much worse scenario now. We'd be requiring phones with like 60 gigabytes of RAM. But, you know, Android really, or, you know, Google, they really pulled back on a lot of that stuff. It, it, the other part of it comes down to like, the OEMs as well, because Samsung, even though that they pulled back, they're still jamming a bunch of crap on their phones and stuff that you don't necessarily need, and you know all that stuff sort of takes takes precedence over over the actual usability of the device over the consumers, because you know at the end of the day, everybody got got, got to collect their paychecks. But I mean, um, everybody. Yeah, Google Google has pulled back on some of that, so it's not it's not really it's not really I guess fair to say that like Google needs to work on it because Google did do a significant amount of work on it with Project Butter and everything that came after that. It's just you know. No, it's not. It's, I'm not saying that they they haven't. What I'm saying is is like when will they really say okay, you know what, this is going to be the OS update that changes the game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That that makes the overall experience just completely smooth. You know, yeah, cool. it's, it's like that moment that they said we have to do something about it, and they gave you that. I don't want to call it a temporary fix, but they gave you the fix, right? It was like a hot fix, real quick. So, shoot your update, it's good to go. All right, and then it's like now moving forward, we want to implement on security, battery optimization, you know, permissions, things of that nature. All right, cool, we get it. But now it's almost like okay, the four gigabytes of RAM almost sounds like it's the standard for Android operation, so to speak. But they've been working on that, and they've really been focusing, at, at least with Marshmallow and N, they are really focusing on, okay, I'm not going to let your app go rogue. I'm not going to let you make all of these wake locks. Like They are focusing down on that because that's a lot of the problems that happen with uh, RAM problems as well. Mm -hmm. But I think a big thing, too, is like blaming this all on Google isn't necessarily right. Like Google is not really the one making the hardware. They're not making hardware. Their OEMs are making the hardware, and they're the ones that choose what goes inside of the device. So... 
by this race to the bottom and building Android to be this low-end device, that's the OEMs that are developing this, and that's why now we have a mindset around Android where we don't want to spend a lot of money to get a phone with good specs. Like, it's not Google, and should they really stop, like, their innovation to, like, okay, we need to fix this problem that all these OEMs created. It's, it's, you could go either way. You could blame Google or you could blame the OEMs, you know, BlackBerry was just back there in, in the, their legacy BlackBerry where they put 512 megabytes of RAM in there. and everyone was like, Are you guys crazy? Like, you know you need to put a gigabyte in there. And they you were know how ridiculous that sounds now. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, it's it's Google, it's the OEMs, it's, I think it's just the look, market, everyone together. Look, look, here's what it comes down to. We all know what needs to happen. Google just needs to buy BlackBerry, implement BlackBerry's to essentially run Android. Because BlackBerry 10 is smooth, so just make make the BlackBerry 10 core run everything Android nice and smooth, and there you go. Yeah. And the, the, the best part is that they Bam. easily could, <laughs> because they already do. To a I want to transition to our patron supporter questions. We had some good ones this week. Definitely wanted to cover that. Nice discussion there about the Rome. I'm definitely waiting. I'm excited. I really don't have a lot of hope for Hamburg actually hitting market, but definitely the Rome device uh, with the keyboard, again, that's the one that it actually makes sense to launch. I'm excited, and I'm interested in how the d device evolves over time and what we end up with as a realized product. Right. However, from, from Vienna to now, I mean, we're yeah. seeing a visual update for sure. I'm kind of, like I said, I'm still kind of leery when it comes down to mid-range because, like, is this a phone that I'm going to be able to recommend, or is it something that I'm just going to be like, yep, there it is. Yeah. Buy it if you want. You know what I mean? Like, Because there's phones that you're excited about, and then there's phones that just happen to appear in the lineup. Because, I mean, anybody who, who knows me knows that I was excited for the Passport. When it comes to the Leap, not so much. You know, that it, it's that kind of scenario again. You love and your week. Don't even lie. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you love it right now. You know, we were talking so, about, uh, uh, like, who is BlackBerry making these devices for? My thoughts was initially, like, you know, does it really matter who they're making devices for? Because yeah, it's, you know what I'm saying, like, what's wrong with, uh, you know, your, your phone having all this other shit, right? But just my thing is, is with these devices coming up, I wonder, are they just making devices to make BlackBerry loyalists like happy sometimes like you know because if they did that then they they're, do they're a doing a terrible no, a they're doing a terrible if that's, if that's what they're doing they're doing a terrible job because there is here's the answer to that question blackberry is building the phones for whoever the hell will buy them yeah. <laughs> period yeah. anybody you like swipe we got you gotcha. no, so i want to android you. we got you <laughs> <laughs> right and Brandon's here on BlackBerry 10. Like, I hate you all so much. So, <laughs> yeah. so our Patreon questions this week, and again, if you don't know what our Patreon is, it's a nice little sponsorship, a little support campaign we've been running uh, successfully, and it really just allows you guys to get some exclusive bonus extra content and ask us questions direct. So we put up an upstream Q&A for 97. We got one. The first question was, who's going to buy these new phones? <laughs> I think we answered that <laughs> one already. <laughs> what features does the hardware, uh, you know, what features are we looking for and what does that mean for the hardware division? Does it mean that we're doing okay to be launching more phones? And what does everyone need in these new phones? I think it's kind of weird. I'm very interested in having some biometrics just because it's so easy 
to actually get right into the phone. I do like on Priv that you can slide the keyboard, you know, the keyboard up or the screen up and actually like, you know, initiate that, you know, turning on of the screen. But I think on something that has a, a keyboard there all the time, integrating that into the space bar is is genius. If they can get that to work in a, in a very seamless way, that's something I'd definitely be about. What about you guys? Is there anything particular on the Rome or one of their you know upcoming mid-range devices that would be a selling feature for you? Maybe like removable batteries. Just kidding, that's not happening. But uh, anything at all for a feature you guys might like? Nope. Yeah, I'm not just with you. Buyer. I mean, <laughs> I. I don't necessarily need a biometric fingerprint scanner or anything like that, but it would be good to have because I think that's, you know, it's it's something that the market wants from BlackBerry. So put it in, make make people happy, and, you know, of course I'm going to use it if it's there, so... And it's it's I think like the Motorola G has biometrics now, so that mid range is getting these features. You might yeah, as well, exactly. right? You'll fall behind even further in the market. If BlackBerry can be ahead of the game and put that stuff on a mid range, then you know that's a that's a, a feather in their cap. And and again, you have all that real estate, physical real estate with the keyboard. I mean, why not? If you can do it, do it. Show people that you can, and that's a, such a smart placement for it too, because it's. Kind of where Samsung and a lot of the other players already have their biometrics, as opposed to like LG, which has theirs on the back. Well, I am kind of like concerned about like right. false readings and stuff like that. Like how how does it work? How would it work throughout actual usage, like real usage or something like that? Like if you're if you actually want to go ahead and you want to you know really use the space key, but for some reason it decides to go ahead and trip the fingerprint sensor on something that it really shouldn't. Right on that, you know, on that, it, on that, on that Fenix purchase that just cost me five dollars. Yeah, you know, <laughs> silly stuff like that. Like I, don't, I don't have an exact scenario, but I could see ways in which it could be possibly interference in, in certain scenarios. Alex, what about you? Uh, are, would you be inclined toward a mid-range device if it had some killer feature? I'm, I'm just someone who I have to just get a high end. I I don't know. I'm like frustrated enough with little things with the priv not so being high end enough. You're, so you're like, arguing the 808 at a mid range, but you need a high end phone. Get out of here, bro. I can't even talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want more RAM, and it's not that is not going to happen in these phones. So I'm just not interested. Is even if it looks beautiful, even if it has a finger percent, like that's just, that's not what's important to me. My phone working smoothly. That's that's what the most important thing is to me at the moment. Wow. I get that. So basically, you're just you're not a mid-range guy, and you probably no. never will be. Put some oil on your slider mechanism, and it'll work smooth for you. <laughs> it it already works smoothly. I feel you because that's you know that's kind of like the scenario that I was thinking as well, but I didn't want to be, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to be judgmental of a device that, you know, technically doesn't even exist yet. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do that but stuff all the time. I'm really not. I, I'm with you. I'm. I'm really not a mid-range fan person. Yeah. Like I said, I was excited for the Passport because it was a nice high-end device. It was beautiful hardware. You know, the camera on it was beyond sufficient for you know at least everything that a normal person would be taking pictures for, aside from low light. But the leap is like, why do I want this? You know. Yeah. I, yeah. I think. I mean. Yeah, look, I mean, a mid-range device has its benefits in the sense that it allows people to update their device without having to, like, break the bank, having to get the top specs, which a lot of people, like, 
if you're switching a device every two or three years, if you're switching to mid-range devices every two or three years, I mean, you're still getting a substantial increase in performance every every time you do that, right? So, I mean, there is a place yeah, because for mid-range range changes. So. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like for somebody like me where I don't, I'm not necessarily a super user. I don't necessarily play a lot of games on my device. I don't necessarily use it for some intense like programs that need intense processing. So for me, a mid-range device would kind of make sense just simply for the cost factor. I just don't want to spend those, you know, six or seven hundred dollars on a on a flagship device, right? Brendan just uses his phone for porn. Yeah. Um, um, no, he's got an Apple product for that, for sure. <laughs> Alex is upset because Silicon Valley is on right now, but we still have an after show, so... You need no, it, starts in a, it starts in a half hour. You need a Tebow. So, another question we had here was from Jay Bravo. He asks a pretty good question, something that I think we should have swung back on and maybe elaborated, says, yo, other messaging platforms now encrypting their messaging. Is consumer slash standard BBM encrypted at all, or was there like some type of encryption previous through BIS? How does the previous BBM through BIS differentiate versus the consumer and how it works today in terms of encryption and security? Is there any? Is it fair to say that iMessage and WhatsApp offer more security than standard BBM today? So for what we know of this so far, and we actually got a... Uh, a lesson from uh, one of our friends over at WhatsApp on the end-to-end -end encryption. We got sent the white paper and things like that. So we got yeah. a full kind of uh, uh, deep dive. And I would say at this point with the end-to-end -end encryption, because it is an end-to-end -end implementation, it's going to be more secure for more things. Now, again, that comes down to how you're using your device as well, right? If you're using your device for stupid things and giving people your passwords and things like that, it, security is obviously still in your hands. In terms of overall security, BBM on the consumer level has two different layers. There's a standard TSL tunnel, which is a basic internet protocol for security. And as well, there is, I think, I want to say 285 or 268 uh, encryption AES, which is another pretty standard level of encryption. So that is between messages sent between devices, but they are still accessed at the server level, so those messages are still going to be there. Um, what that means in terms of an end-to-end -end encryption is that WhatsApp has more layers of security across more aspects of their application. So WhatsApp, for instance, encrypts the calls. It encrypts you know, the file transfers and everything in between. Now, again, consumer BBM is just that. If you're really looking for overall security, go get BBM Protected, which has that third layer of encryption, which is really what you want if you want an overall secure messaging platform. Maybe in the future, BBM will get an update that matches in terms of the end-to-end, -end, but right now, we're looking at iMessage and some of those other platforms to be slightly more secure, but again, that is super subjective to the user and their uses. Yeah, and that's the, the tough part, because realistically, BBM as it stands right now, it's secure as you really need it to be, and like their upgrade, BBM protected, like that is that is meant for enterprise, and that enterprise, like, so yes, we're having this whole talk about encryption, everyone should have encryption on everything, and that's great, but you know Maybe it's not I got totally necessary. On my encryption. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm an encrypted crypt. So the fact that like WhatsApp went and did this, I mean, yeah, it's great, and that's you know killer functionality, and you know it may have to push BlackBerry to maybe make some of the functionality of BBM protected, you know, in the consumer version. But it, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a tough scenario. I, I don't care too much, but um, I think they probably should follow suit. 
to some really, extent. they should just get rid of BBM protected. Make BBM protected the standard. Yeah, that's just my opinion. But of course, the, they lose money the at wor- that point too. Exactly, and that's Operate. the worrisome bit. Like, if that's one of their their main cells or their pro, like, I don't know. I'm I still don't even know how I feel about how many people are in enterprise are really even using BBM because like. You know, are you going to pull out your phone to be talking, or are you going to be talking through a chat or your computer or your laptop? Like, I don't know. It, I, they should follow suit, but we'll see what happens with that. WhatsApp, WhatsApp has a lot more of a complex scenario too, because they have web access and things like that. Yeah. That, that make it a more complex oh, yeah. In, in, yeah. A need, in a need for end-to-end encryption for them to even consider themselves secure to any degree. BBM is reliably secure because at the end of the day, those keys are Blackberries, and Blackberry's not dishing those out without a real, real reason to go do so. Whereas, you know, some of these other messaging platforms didn't necessarily have uh, the best uh, backdoor policies, right? The NSA NSA was in there, like, I was going to make a Brandon joke, but I won't. Too soon, too soon. (laughs) (laughs) So, great question, uh, Jay. I wanted to swing back on another one that he asked as well. Talking, I'd imagine you'd already cover this today with the new BBM video calling for Android slash iOS. I've read online comments indicating that it will only be supported cross-platform between Android and iOS, no BB10. Can it be confirmed at all? As of right now, those are sort of true. I mean, there's some weirdness going on with some of the beta users. Maybe they've got some, you know, Google Play stuff (laughs) flying in the background and it's giving them enough access to have a BBM video call. And I really expect it's something that will change in the future. Again, it's beta. So I can't say we should judge any of this stuff right now for what it is. I mean, take it for face value. I imagine they would want to unite the video chat ability across platform because if it's not cross platform video, who cares? You know, to a large degree. What do you guys think? You guys think it'll open up to BB10 eventually? Yeah, eventually. It's just an update away. Yeah, you got to think about this. Like, Playbook can video chat today <coughs> to, to BBM video on BlackBerry 10. So the infrastructure is there, and it's been there. It's now making the infrastructure more broadly available. And again, they have to optimize for so many different pieces of hardware that are out there across iPhone and Android. It will take time, but it very likely will happen eventually. But again, give it time. I mean, we waited two and a half years for a video, so you might have to wait another year and a half for it to actually get a cross-platform pull. Knock on wood there again. So another good question there, Jim. Which even when it's cross-platform, like then you get the problem of okay, they need to have BBM, and like that that is more of a hurdle than not even having the functionality. Getting but someone I, on I, BBM who's not it, on it. Yeah. It's easier now because we'll have video though. It's like oh, I want to video chat you. Get this, you know, like where someone on an iPhone. Oh, I don't have an iPhone, so I can't FaceTime you. We don't like Skype. I already use BBM, so maybe you'll do it. You know, ninety percent of people with iPhones would just be like, I'm, I don't care anymore. I'm just I, yeah, I, I'm just not gonna communicate yeah. with you. Why don't you just go to the store and trade in your phone for an iPhone? Like, you're lazy. Like, that's the way they look at it. It's yeah. never them. It's I'm always, not gonna communicate with you. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Uh, like, when's the last time you saw somebody join BBM? Literally today. He's, we had a patron subscriber uh, make a pledge, and he, he uh, his name is Drew. He commented, and he's like, I have two BBM contacts now. And I'm like, no, that's, <laughs> that's the worst. I feel like I'm making him go out of his yeah. way to, to participate in Upstream because yeah. not many yeah. people use it these days. I mean, my whole family, we all have a BBM group. We all use yeah. it. 
some yeah. on BlackBerry devices, some on Android. So they were, they were out there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, squint, if you squint far enough, you see them. Yeah, I I got the reason I use BBM literally is just with you guys, and I got lucky because I was able to convince a bunch of friends when BBM came uh, cross platform. And so when that initially happened, I was able to get a few friends, like a few of my close friends onto it. And so now I communicate with like four or five close friends on it and my family through BBM. But I find slowly more and more uh, it's starting to go back to text messaging or WhatsApp. Yeah, that's the yeah. worst though. Like it is, I, I say that too. It's going back to text, and that's like I, I'll take WhatsApp a million times over text messaging. Real yeah. friends, real friends don't text though. So yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of people who are like leaving BlackBerry Ten now, and they're just going to Android, and they're just. I wonder if BlackBerry for, for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, they're uh, they're just going back to like texting. Um. I don't know. I don't know from your experience. I'm sure on the Priv it's a lot easier to BBM. I'm not sure how it is on Android or anything, if the app is any worse or not. But definitely, I think, I think the app is great on Android. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's good, but you can't share the channels. Channels is like a foreign orphan on the Android version. Yeah. yeah. It's, maybe it's just one of those things. Maybe it's just one of those things where they're like moving over to an Android and I'm like their one contact on BBM so they're just cleaning house like it's what's the point of having this app or something yeah you know and and just discovery is kind of a pain on BBM in general uh, at least it always was for a while the, the thought process of like a pin because even with Snapchat it, it ties into phone numbers so you can just have it scan your contact book and it finds all the people on Snapchat due to their phone number and that's always been something that BBM stayed away from, and I like that. Like, I just got added to a WhatsApp group the other day, and now I see all of these people's phone numbers, and I'm like, I don't want to see their phone numbers, and I don't want them seeing my phone number. Right. Like, it, it feels like it's an invasion of privacy, but the convenience obviously has won out at the end of the day. People care more about convenience than they do giving away their information. Remember when BBM was integrated with SMS? Dude, that, why yeah, did they... Like, why that's did they, something that should have happened, right? They should have continued with that. I don't know why they didn't. I mean, when I got a BlackBerry 10, like the reason I got a BlackBerry 10 was before it was before BB10 BB10 actually released. All my friends who had Blackberries all said that BBM and text messages were kind of integrated similar to iMessage, and I was on an iPhone on that at that time. So I'm like, "Oh, this will be super simple. I can just go on to a BlackBerry, I'll have BBM." And then I can just use text message in one app as if it was, you know, kind of seamless, like iMessage, right? And they just completely, you know, left that behind and just went on and and just kind of separated. I guess maybe it was one of those things where they kind of put a lot of eggs in BBM and assumed, you know, BBM as its own service, distinguishing it might be better for the brand. But it's interesting. Sorry to segue back here, but. I saw a headline earlier, and it kind of made me reflect on Dylan's uh, article we put up on the BB Central, uh, talking about a weird hardware button that he saw on the Rome that was help, you know, governments and you know, enterprises, kind of a necessity. I saw an article that India has put legislation through to require a panic button on devices oh, that yeah. sends a GPS ping, and I wonder if. You know, this is like one of those convenience keys that could be, you know, uh, set up to do something like that. You know, or there's an extra key there for you know, uh, 
what's what am I thinking? Like validation into uh into you know your organization. What's what am, like a key card type thing, you know? Pass card, yeah. Yeah. Blackberry has something like that already on the bed <clears> side, <throat> but it's a digital um a digital hotkey, basically. So I wonder if they could yeah. make a hardware button that could push out that kind of access. It was kind of interesting. I think the issue is a little bigger than that, though, to be honest. I think I think what the market needs is, like, one universal ID that you can just communicate between different people, but at the same time, you know, there's a whole bunch of issues when you have something like that. You know, it takes away people's choice because then everybody is restricted to having to use you know, one simple ID to, to communicate between different people, kind of like a lot of people consider, you know, we already have a single ID, which is your phone number, but a lot of people don't, are, are leaving text messaging just because it doesn't provide the benefits of if you use a different service, right? So, I mean, I, I just find every year that we go on, there's more and more solutions to communicate with people, but I feel like, as we get more solutions to communicate with people, the means to communicate with those people get a lot more difficult because everybody's so fragmented on different kind of services, right? Which is which is kind of funny when you think about it because today, in this very moment, at this point in time, it's never been e any easier to just pick up a phone and be able to send somebody a message. You can see them on FaceTime or on Facebook chat, Google Hangouts. Uh, but really, it, it, you're still playing that game. Is like, oh, do they have Facebook? Do they have BBM? Do they have this service? Do they have that service? And it's like, oh, they used to have it five months ago, but now they're not picking up. So maybe I have to go check another service, right? It's yeah. interesting because these because everybody these... wants a standard, and yeah, you know, with everybody wanting a standard, everybody is creating their own standards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's sad that these you know social outlets become the overall. Uh, overall, uh, you know, outlets for people's identity, right? Like, it's like, do you have a Facebook? That's how I validate your existence. Like, are you real or not? Yeah. That's, I, Facebook could be so fake, though. I rely on Snapchat now, sadly. <laughs> if they actually send you a picture of themselves, like, you know they're real. There's so many people who just, like, social media is just allowed for so much weird shit to happen. We it, one, one more question I wanted to get to. And then we'll jump into our after show and make fun of Brandon for his uh, <laughs> his web viewing habits. But <laughs> Mike asked the question, Mike Robinson, one of our Patreon subscribers, is the upgrade to Marshmallow on the frame optional, or could it be mandatory? Do you do we believe new devices will be launched with Marshmallow? I would say we talked a little bit about this earlier. Blaze was able to kind of confirm it is an optional upgrade, but I do believe new devices will be launched with Marshmallow. You think so? Yeah, yeah. They do. definitely. Okay. If they, all, if they already have it out for one, then chances are, if they're working on anything else, and you know. I, I okay. I'm a bit can wait. Any future, any future priv sale? Did was you talking about priv sales coming out being marshmallow? No, new devices. You're thinking oh, way deep devices. into the question than oh, you have to. Never mind. I thought he was talking <laughs> about priv because I'm thinking they'd have to go back and like update all the privs, and like they're not going to do that. Okay, new devices, yeah, for I mean, sure. The Why would they do? Because as soon as you turn it on, the update's there. Right. I. <laughs> Alex, you're such a weird kid sometimes. No, because you know? I just they set up do. my aunt's phone today or yesterday, and like the update was not prompting. It would not update, and then. It's an like, AT&T phone. Yeah. Come on. No, I, I'm not talking about Marshmallow update. I'm just saying a general update because it was running an old version of the software. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Yo, you're welcome, Robert. Thank you for oh, telling us this has been an awesome show. Just by Alex, you know. Silicon Valley right now, so. It's it's like ten minutes away. You'll be alright. Why are you blurry right now, Alex? I don't know. That was weird. It's weird. Brandon, what you drinking? Is that a root beer? It's uh <laughs> drinking Beyonce lemonade. It's, it's Creamore's <laughs> It's Creamore Springs. The beer from around here. Oh wow. This is after show back. talk. This is if after you, show talk. If you guys, if you guys come to Toronto, I'll, uh, I'll uh, treat you guys to some of this and some nice videos. Yeah. I'm done with you guys. Oh my gosh. Good night. I'm going to go your neighborhood, Brandon. I heard right. you have like thugs around there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mobsters. Our yeah. next episode is going to be on April the 8th. You can catch us next week. Again, thank you to our Patreon subscribers. If you want to consider. Supporting the podcast, check us out, berryflow.com forward slash Patreon. Have a great night, guys. Thank you. Later. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Blaze actually 